Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Instant reaction, a hell of a Met victory against the Atlanta Braves. I don't want to only do instant reactions to bitch and moan and complain. Sometimes it's good to do an instant reaction to just let out, yes, that feels good. And that was a hell of a victory because let's all be honest. Let's all be honest with the way this offense has gone, with the way this team has played over the last two weeks. When Ozzy Albies hits a first pitch three-run home run, we all thought this game was over. We did. We all thought it was over. I know the Mets have shown a lot of fight. We even saw it in the game on Monday night where they're down 5 nothing, and they come back and they make the game relatively close to run in the seventh, the back-to-back home runs in the eighth inning before we get kicked in the balls on that miscommunication error between Blankenhorn and Lindor. But when you're down 3 nothing, and Charlie Morton is throwing curveballs that no Met player can have a fantasy about to make good contact on, this game felt over. It felt done. And James McCann has to be the most unlikeliest guy to turn this game around. I don't want to say turn their season around. They're in first place. They entered the night up three games in the National League East. But this sort of felt like a little bit of a tailspin that was being created. You know, the Nationals won. The Braves win this game. They're only three and a half games out. The lead's down to two. And look, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of this series against Atlanta. I don't know if all of a sudden Michael Conforto is going to get hot and Jeff McNeil is going to get hot and all of a sudden this offense is going to click. But for one night, this was a pull-it-out-of-your-rear-end kind of victory. When Albies hit the three-run home run, and I want to be honest about this, I was finally kind of buying in to what Luis Rojas had done earlier in this season. For example, how many times... Had we seen Luis take out Joey Lucchese prior to unfortunately getting hurt as he starts to see even just a little bit of trouble third time around the order? We've seen a lot of it. It's been a trend in baseball. Third time around the order, get a guy out. I really thought fifth inning. Two outs, nobody on. Here we go. Third time around the order. He gives up a base hit to Acuna. He gives up a base hit to Freddie Freeman. I'm not telling you you're going to Aaron Loop in the fifth inning. Maybe that's not the answer. Thomas Zapucky in his major league debut in the fifth inning. But something didn't feel right about Albies getting that at-bat against McGill. Because even though Hefner went out there and probably tried to calm him down, two outs, nobody on, back-to-back base hits, 
Albies is a dangerous hitter. I felt very uncomfortable in that spot. And look, I'd love to tell you this is what I would have done. I, I don't know who I would go to, but I did feel like, you know what? We've gotten the most out of Tyler McGill. That's how I felt. And first pitch, Albies hits the three-run home run. But even after the home run nestles into the seats, as annoyed as I am about, hey, maybe this was the moment to get McGill out, this all came back down to the offense. It, you know, my lonely eyes turned to the offense and said, okay, wait a second. Tyler McGill basically gave you as quality of a performance as you could expect, kind of like he did his last start against Atlanta. You got five innings out of him. He gave up three runs, sure. He almost had that immaculate inning in the first inning. But this is as much as you really could expect from a guy like Tyler McGill. If he's going to be your fifth starter until they make some kind of trade, five innings, three runs is what you what you would take. At some point, you've got to start hitting. So my anger towards, and I don't even know, I wouldn't say I was angry, but my ick, disappointment towards Rojas and McGill kind of shifted towards, all right, he kept you in the game. Can the offense wake the F up? Like, is that possible? And if you remember, they start the sixth inning with Jeff McNeil, who even though he had a hit tonight, and he had, I think it was two hits the night before, it still feels like something is off with Jeff McNeil. But Jeff McNeil strokes an 0-2 base hit to left center field. Tony Gwynn, 6-5 hole kind of hit. And then Lindor strikes out on ball in the dirt. Conforto strikes out. Alonzo pops up. And then I really felt, all right, wait, wait, this is going nowhere. <coughs> I mean, Lindor's pissing me off because he's laying down sack bunts in the first inning. What is? What are you doing? <coughs> Excuse me. Like, if Lindor's bunting for a base hit, I kind of get it. I really don't have a problem with bunting for a base hit. But if you go back to that bunt in the first inning, he wasn't bunting for a base hit. He was literally bunting to sacrifice himself in the top of the first inning with Tyler McGill on the mound. I mean, dude, if Jake's on the mound, I still don't love it, but I could see it. All right, let, let me let me try to move the runner to second base. I got Jake on the mound. We get one run. That'll be enough. Dude, Tyler McGill is on the mound. Someone's got to explain to me why Francisco Lindor thought Hey, I got a great idea in the first inning. Let me lay down a sacrifice bunt. And oh, by the way, the guy's coming up like Michael Conforto. He sucks right now. But nevertheless, the way the sixth inning died after Jeff McNeil's leadoff single, that was another feel of, all right, this offense is never going to wake up. But I got to hand it to Dom Smith, who had a really good at-bat against Charlie Morton. I got to hand it to Kevin Pillar, who had a really good at-bat against Charlie Morton. And much like a manager left a pitcher in one batter too long, that was probably the case with Charlie Morton. Not that I would have pulled Charlie Morton with how hapless the Mets look against him. But right after that walk, James McCann, my boy. I can't even say that with a straight face because he ain't my boy. James McCann hits that one-two pitch into the left center field seats. And we have ourselves a tie game. Not that. I thought automatically we're going to win this game. But everything felt new. Everything felt different. It gave me hope. 
Peraza's behind 0-2. He's stroking a double to left field. And then we've got Francisco. Francisco Lindor, who's been driving all of us nuts this entire season. Enough with his leadership. Enough with his really stellar defense. At some point, Francisco's got a hit. And so think about his first three plate appearances before he comes through with the game-winning hit. He's laying down a sack bunt, which we just addressed. He's striking out on a ball in the dirt. And then he's striking out on another ball in the dirt with a runner on first and nobody out. So just another lifeless beginning for Francisco. But give him all the credit in the world. He comes through in a big spot. I didn't think he was. I don't think any Met fan did. And the Met bullpen, which has been really good all season, backs it up. Trevor May, one, two, three. Seth Lugo got hit hard, but he gets through the eighth inning. And Edwin Diaz got hit hard because Edwin Diaz basically gave up a game-tying home run. I mean, essentially, Adrianza hit a game-tying home run, if not by just a couple of inches. And, and, and you know what really pissed me off about the ninth inning? I can't be the only one that thought this. Gary Cohen is going on and on about, you know, Edwin Diaz in tie games and non-save situations has been so mediocre. But man, in save situations, he's automatic. And he said it twice before Adrian, um, Ihare Adrianza hit that foul ball home run. But look, Edwin got the outs. I always say this about closers. I don't care how you get there. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't even care how many guys you put on base. If you get the job done, you get the job done. And he was able to do it. Got Acuna to swing at the first pitch to pop it up. And Edwin Diaz shuts the door. And Edwin Diaz, to his credit, I got to give Edwin Diaz credit. While I'd like to see him pitch better in non-safe situations, this could have been, and I've seen it before, the great victory that's taken away. You know, that great comeback victory that's pulled away because your closer blows it in the ninth inning. And you almost forget about the James McCann three-run home run. And you forget about Francisco Lindor's RBI single because it was a blown game by the closer. And instead, you're thinking about how the Braves walked it off in the 11th. I've seen that before. We've all seen that before. And to Diaz's credit, he didn't let it happen. We're able to marvel in a really good comeback victory. This bullpen did an outstanding job. Even Tyler McGill, we can say it now again, he did a hell of a job to give you five innings. And the Mets fight back. Give them credit for that, they fight back. Now, why can't they do anything offensively over the first five or six innings? I have no idea. But late in games, we saw it in the makeup game against Washington, even though it was too little too late. We saw it in this opener against Atlanta. Their offense wakes up late. Now, with all that said, a couple of things about individual players. Something feels off about Jeff McNeil. And look, Jeff McNeil the last two nights has not been awful in terms of getting on base. He had two hits in the game against Washington, including an RBI single. I think that was the first run of the game as they began their comeback. He got on base twice in this game against Atlanta got hit by a Charlie Morton curveball and had that 0-2 single that was pretty impressive in the sixth inning. But I think what's off about McNeil is the strikeouts, or the strikeouts, and chasing pitches he would never normally chase. And you know what also annoyed me? And if you want to say this is a nitpick, I guess that's fine. 
when he struck out in the seventh inning on a ball in the dirt. Actually, no, you know what? I think it was the third inning when he struck out. He strikes out a ball on a ball in the dirt and just gives up. The ball is bounced. William Contreras is chasing the baseball a few feet away. And instead of jogging the first base and at least forcing Contreras to make a throw, Jeff McNeil gives up. He gives up. He puts his head down, says, all right, I'm out. You got me. And Jeff's an emotional player. We've seen that over the last few years. And I think sometimes that emotion probably leads to extended slumps. But look, Francisco Lindor, as much as we've killed him, when he struck out on a ball in the dirt, the guy's at least making an attempt to get the first base. And I get it. 98 out of 100 times, the catcher will make an accurate throw and you're out. But what about those rare times he throws it away? And this isn't even about hustling down the line where you can risk injury. I'm not even asking you to hustle. I'm asking you to jog. Jog to first base. Force the catcher to pick up the baseball and throw it to first. And honestly, I think what made it worse is the fact that an inning later, Lindor's running to first base. But there does seem seem to be something off about Jeff McNeil. He's chasing too many pitches out of the zone. I feel like he's trying to yank everything. I, I remember two years ago, Jeff McNeil had this fascinating year. He had a great first half, great second half. Had the exact same OPS in the first half as the second half. But the big difference was his average dipped in the second half and his power numbers went up. And I remember asking the question a couple of times, which Jeff McNeil do you want? Do you want the Jeff McNeil that, you know, isn't going to hit for as much power, but is going to hit for a higher average? Now, again, the OPS, which I think is a great way to judge players, it works out exactly the same. So you're getting pretty much the same baseball player based on how you measure him that way. But do you want the guy with pop or do you want the guy for the average? Like, which guy do you want? I give you the numbers. They're fascinating. Here, let me give it to you real quick because I always found this fascinating from 2019, the last full year Jeff had. First half of the year, 917 OPS. Great. Amazing. Second half of the year, 914 OPS. Basically the same. First half of the year, Jeff hits 349 with seven home runs. Second half of the year, the average dips to 276. That's a 70-point difference. But he doubles the home runs and goes to 16. RBIs, basically the same. 36 in the first half, 39 in the second half. So you're getting... The same RBIs, you're getting the same amount of runs scored, pretty much the same. You're getting the same OPS, right? All those numbers are the same. But do you want the guy with 16 home runs and a 276 average or the guy with seven home runs but a 349 batting average? And to me, it's the guy with the 349 batting average. But I almost think that Jeff McNeil is trying to hit home runs. And the guy who's trying to hit home runs is more of the 275 hitter. Now, he's not that right now. He's about a 240 hitter. And his OPS is nowhere near 900. So at this point, you take either. (laughs) I mean, basically, give me the guy with the 900 OPS. But they got to get him going. They got to get Michael Conforto going. They got to get Dom Smith going. And then look, Brandon Nimmo is going to come back. J.D. Davis is going to come back. I assume they're going to play. You got to get them going. Because remember, the Mets weren't hitting. Nimmo was, and so was J.D., actually. Those two guys were. But as a team, they were not hitting before they had all these injuries. They weren't. 
Now they're starting to get healthy. Let's see if they can hit. But this was a great victory. Really good victory. James McCann, Francisco Lindor, the two expensive acquisitions, and a really good job out of this bullpen. I don't know. Being two games up on Washington, three and a half up on Atlanta, even though first place is first place, something would have felt there. It's a great victory. Listen to me and Craig every day, 2 o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to this instant reaction edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.